0: So with all the AI talk out there right now, one of the things that I wanted to do is get one of the OGs of sales training on the podcast, John Barrows, who you're going to listen to today. We're going to get into a ton, but before we get to that, my name is Jason Bay. You're listening to Outbound Squad. I'm on a mission to help you turn complete strangers into paying customers. So if you're an account executive doing some outbound, closing some deals, or you're an SDR or BDR doing a ton of outbound for your account executive counterparts, you're definitely in the right place. Today, I'm going to dig in with John Barrow. This is actually the first time we've had him on the podcast, believe it or not. But uh, I've gotten to know John decently well over the years, and he's very bullish on AI in sales. And what we talk about, thats pretty intera- uh, interesting, is he calls them low-value interactions. And he really believes that a lot of the low-value interactions that sellers have with buyers, so the qualification types of calls the baseline demos to get, you know, introductory, you know, uh, sort of conversations on the features, pricing, that sort of stuff. All of that's going to get replaced in the next few years when it comes to AI. The other thing that we talked about was the future of the SDR and the AE model and what that looks like and the move towards more full cycle sales reps. And then what we talked about, he just shared a bunch of really great ideas on things that if you're a sales leader, you can do with your team right now. One of them being hosting hackathons for sales, which I thought was a really interesting idea, looking at the existing process, which I see in my line of work, a lot of inefficient processes, but getting the team together and the collective brain and kind of rethinking how you approach outbound, how you approach your discovery conversations, your sales process, all of that kind of stuff. So this is going to be a really good one before we get to it. Thanks for tuning in today. The biggest way that you can help support this podcast if you're getting a ton of value is to either leave an honest reading or review on Spotify or Apple Podcast, or share this with a rep on your team or your sales leader. So if you could do that, I'd really appreciate it. Let's get to the interview.
1: So uh, you probably don't remember the first time we met. I sent you a cold email. To, to get on your podcast. Do you remember that? This is like in 2018. Shit, no, I don't, as a matter of fact. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, right.
1: so I sent you a cold email and I was kind of getting into, I've been in, like I've trained salespeople in one form or another since I was a sales manager in like 2009, like when it was like house painting services, you know we're yeah. selling? <laughs> yeah. But I was just getting into like SaaS though. So I didn't know much about, like who you are in the industry. You know what I mean? (laughs) So I was like, I was just sending this guy a cold email and we recorded podcasts and whatnot. And um, I was going to ask you though, because I was thinking about that conversation and we were doing like appointment setting essentially at that time. So I was writing email sequences Mm -hmm. for clients, sending them out. It's like the hardest fucking job to do. I don't know how businesses do this. Um, But that was five years ago. It's not like, the longest time ago, but it feels like an eternity. Oh, <laughs> And I'm wondering, just because you've been in, not to date you, you've been in the game for like a while, yeah. like a couple decades and a half or so. Like what, is there anything different about the time we're in right now? Yeah. From what you've seen in the last five, 10 years, like what's, what, what are the biggest differences outside of the, the obvious kind of being that like the internet has like really obviously accelerated a lot of stuff, but what's, what's different right now?
2: Yeah, I think, you know, I I've, I've been having this conversation cuz yeah, I've been around for a while. Right? I graduated 98, right? And so I've seen some pretty crazy shit, right? I saw the internet. Like when I when I was first in sales and I, first of all there was no degree in sales when I was when I got into it. So college like I was marketing and I fell into it. And then, you know, and we had like a computer lab at the at my college. Like you had to go to the (laughs) lab and it was a special lab. Like I I was part of the College Spark Scholars program and I only had access to it when other, you know, kids didn't. And so email really wasn't a thing when I, when I was in sales, uh, it was, it was almost all phone and, you know, we used email, but it wasn't the main form of communication. And, and so the internet, it was funny because I remember people saying like, oh, this is a fad, you know, This is a, this is a fad, like this is not going to really take hold, which looking back on it, us is hysterical. So it changed, but it changed us gradually, relatively mm-hmm. speaking. Then there came um, DSL, right? So high speed internet, right? We went from dial to dial up to high, and that made a huge difference. But again, it was like this gradual like adoption of it and everything else. Then there was the cell phone, right? That was pretty cool. Then there was the iPhone. That was pretty cool, right? And and then COVID hit, and I know that was more of not a technical thing, but COVID I think shook a lot of stuff up. And it, what it happened, what it, what it did was it gave us all a dip. I mean, we were talking about this beforehand. It gave us all a dip for like a month or two to f- what the fuck is happening. But in the SaaS world, all of a sudden, it just ex- like we just exploded. You know what I mean? And it was a grow. It was like this perfect storm of shit in the sense that um, it was a grow at all cost mentality. VCs were just dumping money into it, and so the art of sales, the foundational like fundamentals were pretty much ignored right because a 60% button seat was better than a 100 you better, better than a 0 certain button seat go, go 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 grow 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 right and so we over engineered the sales process we threw too much technology at it and now that things are you know kind of fell apart and again perfect storm here the economy tanked for saas cuz it was over bloated at the end of last year and beginning of this year and all of a sudden chat gpt came into the mix here and when i tell you jason um of all those other technology things that i've seen and those are some major transitional components of our society nothing compares to what ai is what i'm seeing with ai nothing but i i genuinely think we are in a the transition year here where we are feeding the machines we are we are teaching these machines to be better than us and they are better than us already in a lot of ways and now all these reps who have had this false sense of security because they you know, were hitting their numbers or they weren't hitting their numbers, but it wasn't that bad. They didn't have the fundamentals. I mean, we've gotten away with, with sales for the past 10 years has basically been cranking out a bunch of template crappy-ass emails, setting yep. up demo, uh, uh, discovery calls with anybody with a pulse, asking dumbass bant questions, droning through demos, using our SE to do the majority of the work, and then offering a massive discount. Like that's been sales for the past 10 years, and it's not been that fucking hard. Okay. I'm sorry. If you got into sales after 2010 in SaaS, it has not been that hard. Now it's hard. And now reps don't have the skills, the foundational skills to sell like sell. And now you have AI coming in and we have trained these reps to be robots. And now they're getting replaced by robots. So it, and I and I make the analogy of almost it's almost like the trophy generation. You hear everybody give shit about the trophy. All oh, these trophy, everybody wants a trophy, right? Well, guess what? That kid when I was a when I was a kid and I lost, I I felt bad, but my parents said, okay, we'll suck it up, go go get better, right? Yeah. Now a kid feels just as bad when they lose, but the parent break, oh, it's okay. Here's a trophy, whatever. So it's not the kids' fault that they're that they're always expecting a trophy because we gave it to them. It's the same thing with SDRs, BDRs, and a bunch of kids. Like we've over-engineered the sales process. We've given them too many tools. We forgot the fundamentals and we've turned them into robots. And now mm-hmm. they're getting replaced by robots. And quite frankly, I'm gonna get replaced by a robot. There's no question, I'm actually replacing myself with a robot. I'm I'm actively working to create an AI version of me that is going to be better than, and the people that I'm working with said, John, we love you like a brother. We think you're great, but what we're going to build is going to be better than you. And I said, yeah. good. I want it to be because that's where the, like the value that we're getting right now. And this, I'll, I'll pause after this. I think this is the year that the, 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 the low value interaction between sales and customer goes away because the the tolerance for the customer to have, A low-value conversation with a sales rep is disappearing because when I can go into a tool like ChatGPT or Bing or whatever it is, and and ask questions about your solution, I mean, I can go to your website and take take Bing, take your website, put it in there, and say, hey, what do I need to know about this? Like, here's my need. What does Jason Bay's company what can they do, and how do they do it? And da da da. And it's going to give me very thoughtful, insightful answers for my exact questions. I have that, or some fucking kid who's going to ask me a bunch of dumbass bant questions and drone through a powerpoint presentation that's not relevant to me at all and not even answer my questions and before they have to flip it over to an AE who can maybe answer it and then bring in an SE who can mm-hmm. actually answer it like that's where i think we're in trouble the value com- there's a there's a study that uh, came out of Gartner that talked about how um they averaged out boomers, millennials and gen z or gen xers and they said on average um 40 uh, b2b buyers of them want a rep-free experience. They don't want a sales rep involved in the sales process. Now, that's the bad news. The good news is is that of those 43% that did not want a rep involved, they had a 23% higher regret rate. They regretted the purchase more. So that tells me there still is value for sales to bring to the equation here. It's just not droning through PowerPoints, sending out cadences and shit like that. So
1: yeah. Dude, so much we could talk about. <laughs> yeah, um, <sorry. laughs> so I want to get your take on what's really funny is when you come from outside of software, which I did, and you come into the industry and you, I saw five, six years ago on like how people do business, especially how the sales work is structured. It's kind of intimidating from an outsider perspective because you're like, oh, wow, so there's SDRs and you account executives and you separate and there's a handoff and all this other stuff. And then you start to realize, I mean, you've been talking about this for the longest time, dude, about how bad that buying experience is. And my question is, like, is this just a flawed sales model that we have in SaaS in general, where we yeah. expect someone that's in their mid twenties to be able to land? I'm just thinking of me as a 24 year old. There's no fucking way that I was going to land an appointment with the VP of sales. Mm-hmm. Like the people we sell to now, there's yeah. no fucking way they're going to take a meeting with me. No, nope. Just n- never. And like, these are the people that like every time I work with SDR groups now, it's, it's almost like, uh, I just. Like I have my work cut out for me because I I go in and I just, I see the problem now. I see why account executives get frustrated with the meetings. I see why buyers are frustrated and it's not the fault of the net SDR necessarily. It's just the position that they're being put in. Is this just a totally flawed model that predictable revenue kind of popularized? Yeah during a time when the economy was literally at an all-time boom. Like for over a decade plus. It's the best economy we've ever had. Like what are your thoughts just kind of like on that model and where do you see maybe the model shifting
2: if at yeah, all? No, absolutely. It's uh it worked when the economy was on fire. Because <laughs> sure, you know what I mean? Like think of, think about how much think about every company's tech stack right now and how absurd it is. In the it's sense insane. that if you really analyzed it, like, because because you would do, for instance, you would have like at the time because why not? And and, and the SaaS industry is such a me too industry. Like if you're using it, I got to be using it, right? So who's ever hot, and and I could have like sales loft, for instance, right? But. I also want Gong too because even though Salesloft has their call recorder, Gong's is better. So, uh, you know what, even though they both basically do something very similar, I'm going to use this component of Gong and I'm going to pay the full rate for it. And I'm going to use this component of Salesloft and then I'm going to bring this in and I'm going to and so basically in that economy yeah, executives wouldn't mind having a quick call with a sales rep to introduce them to this new thing that maybe somebody else was using that they knew of, right? And then they'd refer down and go from there. But now it, it's now that the economy is contracted and now profitability, holy shit, is in vogue again. Uh, instead of grow at all costs, it 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 falls apart because nobody likes to be handed off three or four times before they actually talk to somebody that knows what they're talking about. And always that, that, that transition between SDR and AE and CS, like it's always broken. They always have to requalify five times before, you know what I mean? And so it's one of those things where it, it worked for the time and it worked for the economy but now it is not working at all anymore and you're putting these kids into bad positions to try to ask them to do that too in my opinion there's not a and I, and i and it really showed its ugly head when when covid hit because when yep. covid hit i don't know if you remember like if you saw the same thing that i did but a lot of people that i saw doubled down because pipelines emptied out they actually leadership doubled down on activities for SDRs. They were like, "Oh, instead of making a hundred dials, you got to make a you know, or, or fifty dollars, you got to make a hundred dials." Like we got to ramp up. And I was like, "That is the exact opposite of what you need to do right now." Because no executive executives don't want to talk to twenty two year old kids who don't add any value in the first place. But in a good economy, it's somewhat tolerated. Who cares? In a bad economy, you got a better shot at seeing God than me wanting to talk to some kid who's going to ask me questions and talk, you know what I mean? And not be bring any value to the equation. Yeah. And so what we did was we flipped it and we went bottom up and we leveraged the strength. So what I was coaching clients to do is actually leverage their SDRs to do what they're good at, which is yep. gathering intel. And so we did the bottom up approach where we would pick, you know, tier one accounts and the SDR would actually call into frontline people, ask questions about what they were doing, kind of the, the um, uh, what's it called? Design thinking approach, right? Where we would yep. learn about the business and then gather all, you know, do the research, look at their website, 10K, all that stuff. And then at the end of the week, sit down with the AE and the AE would say, okay, well, what'd you learn? Oh, well, I talked to 10 of these reps and this is what they're doing, whatever it is. And then the AE would then take that and create a hypothesis to go up to the executive suite and go full cycle. And so that's where we're going. Like we are, there's no question about it. We are going back to full cycle sales and it's going to be supported by like SCRs and BDRs. And I'm seeing it probably just like you. They're all getting rolled up under marketing and operations, all of them. And because, because most of them don't like to be on the phones, right, they're scared to death to be on the phones, but they love playing with the tools and the AI shit and all the, you know, technology. So great, put them under that, let them play around with all that create a true ABM model, where you are engaging with people intent data and all that other stuff. And then getting back to a full cycle sales rep, who's going to be sitting in front of a dashboard. And instead of me trying to think about what am I going to do today, right? Or who should I call today? It's going to be, oh, no, no, no. You need to call Jason Bay because Jason just did these things and his company just did that and whatever. And by the way, you need to call him instead of emailing him because his personality is such that he likes the phone. And here's three snippets of bullet points of things that you might be able to say when you make that phone call. Go. That's where we're going back to because the the full cycle sales, and that's what I'm worried about, quite frankly, because... I mean, I'm excited for it because I think it's back to, back to basics, but the feeder system now, I don't know where the feeder system is going to come from, right? Because yeah. SDRs, and this is another reason that whole model is broken. That model worked when an SDR stayed at the company and became an AE and kept that job for the next three to five years. Because yes. the, theoretically, you bring cheap talent in, you beat the crap out of them, you grow them into your type of sales rep, and you go. Now, I think the average SDR stays in their role for like their company for like nine months or something ridiculous like that. So, all this investment that a company is doing to train that SDR, they're not going to get the benefit of it. And the SDR model is a broken and an extremely unprofitable model. Like if you really yep. pull it back, pull back the like, think about you. Your ACV needs to be well over $100,000 for the SDR yep. model to actually make sense. Yep. Cuz if you think about and it. And even right? then it's like you break even on the first year usually. In the first year you have <laughs> to keep that customer your lifetime value yeah. of the customer better be 3 to 5 years because yep. you're going to have 100,000 OTE, right? So 70k base, you know whatever. 100,000 AE, then that's being generous here. Um, 100 grand SDR making calls to set up a meeting for a 200,000 300,000 AE to then come in then you're gonna bring your SE into the equation, who's making two, three bills. And then most likely, you're probably gonna need your VP of sales to close that deal. And you're probably gonna give a discount. Yep. Like, are you kidding me? Like, if you do the math on that, shit, yeah, man, I, Like, please. That's why when I see companies who have like, you know, $1,000 ACV or $2,000 ACV and they have an SDR team, I'm like, what are you doing? Like, this, this makes no sense.
1: Yeah, it's uh, yeah, I'm definitely seeing very similar type of stuff. I I have a client right now that, dude, there's two, one's a prospect and one's a client. They're doing stuff that I'm like, I think this is where it's going. But one of them has across, it's a parent company with three other companies, and I want to say they have about 350 account executives, no SDRs. They don't sell software though. So they sell professional services and a little bit of staffing. And their strategy was let's recruit people and try to get fresh college graduates so that this is their first or second job. Mm -hmm. So that we don't have to pay 200K, 300K. Uh, We get to train them. This becomes kind of the feeder system and they work the small deals. And I think that's, what I've seen work really well is I think you're in trouble right now. If you're a company that only has an enterprise in Strat selling motion, if you don't sell mid market and SMB, you don't have that feeder system anymore, but this whole, I remember doing this in 2018 when we were setting up these campaigns, I would always talk to the account executives to get good Intel and messaging. And I was always so surprised at they didn't do any prospecting. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, it's, Like, this is like the number one thing I talk about now in trained companies is like AE self-sourcing. It's like, I mostly work with AE groups now, but that self-sourcing muscle is just, I would love to see what that looks like in companies where that just becomes standard operating procedure where we don't even have an SDR org anymore. And we use the SMB and the mid-market folks as the feeder system, because that's the best job for a 23 year old kid is to sell something that's five to 10,000 bucks
2: to a small business owner full cycle, one, two call close. Absolutely. And that's, by the way, that's where the SDR model does make sense. And again, historically for a company like Salesforce, for instance, the drop off of SDR to AE is usually massive because most companies aren't organized. So they have SMB, like VSMB, SMB mid market enterprise. So what would happen is these SDRs would get in and they would be, you know, calling into mid market and enterprise and setting up meetings and then they would get promoted and then they go down to VSB like very small business and they're that now they're mm-hmm. full cycle sales and that's a soft landing. Right. So it's like, it's a little frustrating. I don't get to have cool conversations anymore, but I'm closing. Right. And yep. then I graduate to SMB then and mid market, then enterprise. And that track is, is a brilliant track if it plays out, but it almost never plays out because most companies don't have enough comp- clients to have that segmentation. So you take an SDR and you put them right into mid market AE and they fail miserably. And so yep. I think that the, the other component to this is, I think the full front end of the funnel, by the way, is going to be automated through AI. I mean, you're seeing it just like I am, like the shit that's happening right now with like tools like clay and all these other ones, like, holy shit, like real personalization at scale is happening at this point. Yep. But the other thing is the PLG uh, trend that is happening, like the product life, uh, product led growth. Yeah. Most companies, and, and this is buyer driven, right? Like none of us want to go through a sales process. We want to get our hands dirty on this thing and start using it and whatever it is. And mm-hmm. I want to be educated on how to use this and how this addresses my use case. So I actually think a nice transition that we can go through. And I, my friend um, uh, over at Alation, um, he actually has this model, which I love, is they actually go SDR to, to AM, to account manager. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what happens there is they lo- they get a book and they have to learn how to close. But it's it's closes on cross sell, upsell and renewals. So it's a much more yeah. friendly environment to close. Yeah. And so what they do there is they learn how to close, but they also learn application, use cases, yeah. Yeah. how they use the product. They they actually now have empathy for the client because they see the challenges and all that mm-hmm. other stuff and they have then they have stories from that. So after they do that, then they become an AE. And now they got all the tools that they need, right? And, I, and to your point of, um, you know, AEs and hopefully they go back to self-sourcing, I agree with you. I just don't know where we really lost that because I fundamentally do not understand the mentality of an AE that doesn't think prospecting is, is you know, their responsibility because I don't know why anybody would rely on somebody else for their success. I just don't like, I'll tell you this as a, as a former VP of sales and whatever, if you came into Jason, if you, if you were an AE of mine, okay. And you came into my office and you missed your quota for whatever, right? Like you missed your quarter or whatever. And the reasoning was because you didn't get enough leads from your, from your SDR or marketing (laughs) before that fucking sentence came out of your mouth, I'd fire you. I'd be like get out of my goddamn office. Like yeah. if that is if you're going to rely on some 22-year-old kid to fill your pipeline so you can hit your quota, yeah. like go fuck yourself. Like get out of my office. I would literally fire him on the spot if I heard that. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think the other thing that's problematic,
1: I hope this doesn't alienate any of the sales development leaders listening that may be listening to this mm-hmm. is that Another problem this creates is when you have an SDR that decides to go the sales development route and become an SDR manager and then a director of sales development, then a VP of sales development, you have someone leading an entire organization of sales uh, SDRs who has no closing experience. And I think that's really problematic because, I mean, you see this, it's, anytime I work with a new client, I always want to talk to the account executives prior to starting the training with the VDRs. I'm just going to get better intel. Like, because I can be like, John, so like the last six months, how many deals you closed and like how many with that specific persona that we're going to be working on? And like, tell me a little bit more. Like, what problems are they coming to you with? Like, what's the language they use? Who needs to get involved typically? Like, what are the senior people that SDRs tend to struggle getting meetings with? Like, what do they care about? And I think that creates a whole department within the company where they might have hundreds of people that don't really understand the buyer that well that are spraying and praying on behalf of the company.
2: So yes, and um, I agree. I think that that is a challenge, but it's also more systemic, I think, from a business standpoint, right? Because there are easy ways to address that. Like if an SDR became an SDR manager and an SDR VP and that type of thing, that would be fine if the organization was aligned. And we learned from each other and there was a feedback loop and you know what I mean? And we did deal Mm -hmm. reviews where SDRs actually paid attention and they actually got cycled in when the deal closed and got educated on what happened throughout that sales. But you know what I mean? Like there are ways to smooth that transition out. So it does, it theoretically could work in, in a great scenario with a really aligned organization, but organizations are almost never aligned. SDRs are always looked at as you know. Oh, you know. I mean, like think about the disdain most a- you know AES have for the SDR role. The only ones that yeah. don't have disdain are the ones that used to be SDRs, right? Um, yeah. But there's there's a lack of appreciation. There's a lack of respect in a lot of ways. I mean, yeah, sure. poor. I mean, think about it. You have an SDR. I, I've come into organizations where it's like a ten to one ratio, AE to SDR, and you got one SDR to ten AES, and it's like, yeah what you're asking some 22 year old kid to somehow figure out how to manage 10 senior AEs and make them all happy when they all like different things. You know, one of them likes to be qualified all the way through on a silver pad or the other one's like, get me a meeting with a janitor. I don't give a fuck. One of them will talk to him all day long. The other one won't ever talk to him. You know, like you, you can't expect some, some kid to have that ability. So it's, it's really the organizational structure that I think really puts them in the terrible position. Yeah. No, totally, dude.
1: Let's uh let's shift gears. You talked about low value interactions mm-hmm. and buyers not being tolerant of that. And this is something that I I try to put a lot of thought in with just how we sell our offers. Like we have this cohort-based uh thing called outbound sprint that we're launching. It's six hundred bucks mm-hmm. per ticket, right? And there's like a version of it that teams can purchase in bulk. Yep. And it's like I don't want to hop on a call to sell five tickets of that that's mm-hmm. like i don't have enough like bandwidth to be able to do that so it's like how do you help them self-serve but also help them when they have questions and it's yeah. it's a super delicate balance but would you say low value interactions like let's try to zoom ahead if we could like let's like maybe look at 2025 yep. right a couple of years from now and then maybe even like 2035 what it might look like that might be a better exercise to do let's look like the next 10 years. Um, What are those, like, what do you see becoming a low value interaction that requires right now a call or some sort of other time from the prospect that they don't want to spend? Like, where do you, where do you see that going? And my hope is that this kind of like gets people thinking about like how they maybe might need to prepare
2: for that. So there's so much Intel about people. Like I'll use this analogy, I think is, is a way to look at it is, I actually think that in the future, in the not so distant future, every single email in our inbox is going to be super hyper-personalized and super relevant to each one of us, but it's not going to come from a human. No. Because if you think about it, um, why do we hate spam? Usually because it's irrelevant, right? It's crap. i fucking this dumb, whatever. Well, why do I like Instagram? I've trained the Instagram, well, the Instagram algorithms train me. You know, yeah. I've thumbed up and thumbed down ads. I say this was irrelevant, whatever it is. I I stay on things longer than other things, whatever. So now pretty much every email, every ad that I get from Instagram is like something I want. You know what I mean? It's like, oh shit, I didn't yeah. like that. I didn't even know that was a thing. Like I'll take that. You know what I mean? And so if you fast forward a little bit with the with the amount of information that's out there about you, about me, with the social and LinkedIn and all these different things, All you have to do is turn AI on to an individual eventually, and it's going to tell you everything that you need to know about that person. And it's going to be able to create messaging that is super relevant based on where they are and what they are. And and quite frankly, when my inbox is filled with a bunch of super highly personalized relevant stuff, do I care whether that's coming from a person or not? Absolutely not. I could give a shit if a sales rep hit send on that, whether a robot did. Now, do I want to talk to somebody as a person? Absolutely. Right. Um, so I think if you look at anything related to um, like, I'll, you, I'll pick one piece, qualification, for instance. I, there, to me, and I, I, I make a very distinct um, difference between qualification and discovery. Qualification is a stage. It is a set list of questions that I ask you to figure out if you fit the mold of somebody I can sell my shit to, period. Yep. Right? Discovery is about you. Now I'm trying to learn, now I need some business acumen. I need to know the questions you ask because you don't always know what you need. You know what I mean? So I'm going to ask you questions that are being to be thoughtful. So business acumen, like what I'm telling reps right now is focus on curiosity, business acumen and EQ. Like if you can genuinely connect, because it's like um, Gary Vaynerchuk said this to me once. You know, I I freaked out back in 2017 when I saw an AI bot write an email better than I could have written. Right, and this was back in 2017. And yeah. I met Gary at his 4D session, and he does a Q and A afterwards. Like ten, you know, entrepreneurs get together, and and he does a whole thing with them. And I asked, I said, Gary, I said, I just saw a robot write an email better and faster than I ever could. And I said to him, I said, Where does that leave us? as sales reps. And he said, don't worry about the tech. You're not going to beat it. He's like, you'll, 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 you'll lose if you try to beat it. He goes, what you need to do is be the last mile. And I was like, well, what do you mean? He's like, let the tech do all the heavy lifting. Let it, let it write, let it do the research. Let it write the email, but right before you hit send, make sure you humanize it. Right? So I think that's where the ability to, I think it's, I think reps are going to need to focus on product knowledge so that they can actually answer the questions when the client has them. Because the client doesn't go, the, the, it's always cracked me up as far as the sales process is concerned. We act like the sales process aligns with the buying process. <laughs> like all the, I love these, these stage, stage one, stage two, stage three, stage four. It's like, yeah. what client goes through stage one, stage two, the clients pop in and out whenever the fuck they feel like it. They stop yeah. looking at things. Other things are prioritized, whatever it is. So we have to be able to meet the client where they are, when they are, right? So marketing wise, we need to get them to think about shit, but when they're ready to engage and however they feel like engaging, we have to be able to maximize that engagement as as far as value is concerned. So the idea of, you know, me, uh, you know, I do want to ask you some good questions to make sure that you're in the right range and we're talking about the right stuff. And then if you ask me a question about uh, a, a feature or whatever it is. Me bringing, well, well, I have to reschedule a call with my AE, and let me set up a call with my SE. Like, I mean, unless it is a deep technical thing that you have, like sandbox type of shit that you're going to play with, you're going to have to be able to answer that question, or my tolerance for dealing with you is going to be zero. Yeah. So that's where I think they, I think reps need to, you know, my vision of twenty of of twenty, I'll, I man past 25 i don't 2025 i don't know what the fuck's gonna happen here like this this things are moving so yeah. fast that but my vision is is it, you remember um uh what the minority report you ever see the movie minority report oh yeah right yeah, remember remember, maybe. he's standing there with those gloves and he's got those screens and he's like phew, 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 right yeah i think that's what we're gonna be I, I think we're gonna be fed again with real intent data with stuff that i like you are doing stuff and it's not just oh they clicked on this it's like Jay Bay lives here. He's doing this. This is what his personality is because I plugged into Crystal Nose and you know all these other things. And so, man, you need to reach out to him at this point. And by the way, the optimal time to reach out to somebody like Jason is this time with an email about this type of stuff. And then when you get him on the call, make sure you you know live coaching of what to ask and those type of things. But the human element is what we need to preserve here.
1: Yeah. Okay. So my next question then with that is just because we both play in the outbound space. Yep. What's outbound looking like in three to five years? Because
2: it's marketing. Man. I don't know
1: about you. It's like, I think so too. It's, it's marketing. The thing, I love the phone, but it's, unless you're using Aura or some dialer, like, dude, you, you're going to call through 30 numbers in an hour and maybe get a hold of one or two people. Yep. And unless like cold calling is basically becoming a game where if you don't, if you're in a world-class like rep on the phones you don't get meetings you just aren't especially as an account executive and then the emails i like even two years ago i'm like if you just wrote an email that didn't talk all about yourself and was less than 120 words you probably were going to get a reply
2: yeah.
1: it was so easy to differentiate now i'm working with reps and i'm like that's a fucking good email and yeah. it's not getting opened. you know well, um like where do you kind of see outbound Skip so me. that's
2: why that's why it's that's why you hear HubSpot moving to all bound, right? You hear this term mm-hmm. now that you, a lot of people say all bound, right? Because you, you also think of the segment. Let's go back to the predictable revenue piece of this as well. That segmentation also splintered organizations from a credit standpoint. And that's why SQLs mm-hmm. versus MQLs and sales versus marketing. And I got credit for that. Well, they showed up to the booth. So fuck, who fucking cares where it came from? Right. So, yeah. so that's why I've always said that sales reps need to be mini marketers because it's all, it, 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 what you what you noticed two years ago, I noticed 10 years ago, because mm-hmm. what I started with this 15 years, 15, 20 years ago, it was the Basho, why you, why you now email. Right. Yeah. And it was like, if you went on somebody's website and you did research and you looked for that trigger and you found it, and then you fired it off literally to the CEO, like I got emails back from Mark Hurd, from Mark Benioff with one yeah. email. And it was like, holy shit. So if you spent 15, 20, 30 minutes writing an email, you were getting a 15, 20, 30% response rate. But then all of a sudden in 2015, 16 is when I started to see a a decline in that one singular email because the cadence tools were coming out, the sales loss, the outreaches, and reps were then just littering the C-suite with shit and, and the response rate. But then it became the contact strategy, right? So it's not that that's why when people say, oh, phone doesn't work or email doesn't work or social doesn't work. Of course. Because it's not about any one of those things. It's about all of those things. Yeah. And so I think if you just bundle in outbound to all bound and we get rid of who gets credit for what, like example here, like Morgan, when he used to work for me, Morgan would do a lot of outbound, right? And all of a sudden, and I got all the inbounds at that point and I would get the inbound and I'd look in, in Salesforce and I'd say, oh, this is an account that Morgan was going after, even though it wasn't the person that he was going after, Right. But you can't tell me that Morgan, all that effort that he put into outbounding to them, didn't ping somebody to tell somebody else within the organization to go look at that. And then they decided to come to us the way they wanted to, right? Yeah. So so now in a traditional organization, Morgan wouldn't get credit for that because it was an inbound lead. So marketing gets credit for the inbound leads, right? Morgan only gets credit for what he generates and that's bullshit. Morgan should absolutely get credit for that, right? So I don't think that there should be credit at this point. This is why I think full cycle sales and that's why SDRs and BDRs are going to be salaried positions and not paid on commission. I I don't think I don't understand why they get paid on commission like what's the point um so you you pay make them salaried you roll them into this and then who gives a shit where the where and then you align sales and marketing where who cares where the lead came from we're all doing this activity so I do think that there is something for an outbound but it goes back to that full cycle sales rep doing outbound very strategically to certain target tier one accounts that is supported by abm that gives them the insights that they need to make that outbound but and it's such a more relevant targeted way than it's been for the past 10 years that it it'll actually work yeah
1: because i think we're heading for a anthony inarino calls it he's calling it the uh the outbound apocalypse (laughs) where it's just like nothing's gonna work
2: anymore i i disagree i i actually think it's gonna work Mm
0: -hmm.
2: but it's not gonna work with sales reps like yeah. should, the, the, the yeah. my, my, my point is like the Instagram example is real. Yeah. I, I, I like Instagram. I like the ads that they give me because yeah. like, they're super fucking cool. Like some of the shit I'm like, man, that is badass. Like I told, I didn't yeah. even think that was a thing. And yes, I need it. Cause it knows me so well. So mm-hmm. I actually think that it's going to be fantastic. Our inboxes are going to be filled with Really thoughtful. Hey, John, I noticed your business just restructured this way. And uh, you know, other sales training organizations that have a person like you are using these tools to be able to do this. And here's an example of that. I'm gonna be like, holy shit. Like that question that you asked me, like what do guys like us do? You know what I mean? Like, I think that we're gonna start to getting emails from people who know what we do and know what we need. And us being like, Yeah, I'll take that call. Like, that looks pretty cool to me. So I, I don't think it's going to be an apocalypse from an outbound standpoint. I think it's going to be an apocalypse from a sales rep standpoint from, yeah. an outbound, from with the outbound.
1: Yeah. The rep, the days of the rep picking up the phone and making shit happen is, I mean, I saw this, like I came up through call centers and we would do like cold calling, like that's yeah. actual cold calling, right? Yeah. Calling into a, a list yeah. of homeowners to sell construction services is like awful, dude. Yeah. Um, and even that is like people's like a person's willingness to pick up the phone from an unknown number. I mean, you just look at like all the regulations and tools that people use, like on the iPhone and the Android, make it really hard for you to get a hold of people that like don't want people to get a hold of them. I mean, that's like it's like that is you have multi-billion dollar companies in the US and the FTC not wanting you to engage in this activity. Yeah, you know, there's gonna be at some point, it's almost like when you say outbound, what I almost think of is it's like uh it's like ads are, I think I look at ads on Instagram as like a form of outbound, but it's yeah. people would classify that as inbound, you know, whatever. But it's like this all bound thing is kind of, it's, you're not being served stuff that you don't want to see. Right. And that's like, what I really worry about is what happens in the meantime, between now and the time that that happens, like what I wrote down here was just like, well, how do we measure success? People are getting fired left and right for you know reasons I don't feel like they should be getting fired for how do you tell an SDR what they should and shouldn't be expected of them? It's just like, there's so much shit that's going to happen to people working for a company that doesn't, that hasn't figured this out yet.
2: You know, Uh, it's going to be, it, 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 well, it already is. I mean, we saw SDRs, he he slaughtered in the past six months, like just hacked because, because all of a sudden the CFO was paying attention, you know what I mean? It was like, wait a minute, this Mm -hmm. isn't profitable. Screw these kids. See you later. Versus, thinking it through a little bit and and leveraging the skills and if I think that's what we need to look at here is like, we have a bunch of talented individuals within the organization, right? And I do think that what got us here won't get us there. So I I actually think right now what a lot of companies should be doing is actually doing an assessment of their team. And I mean yep. that and aligning that assessment up with their next 12 to 24 month plans, because they're, you know, coachability and all these other things are going to become much more important than just a butt in a seat because you can make a few phone calls, right? Empathy, all these different things are going to be important. There's some, there's some tests and some tools out there that you can figure out how to assess the team and if they are the right team to do what you need them to do. And then, and then it's just about this transition. So one of the things that I'm recommending to all my clients, for instance, is, There is an argument right now to rip and replace. There's an absolute argument to say, you know what? I'm going to burn this whole fucking thing to the ground, especially on the SDR and BDR side. I'm going to go all in with AI and automate the hell out of this stuff and go to the boards, right? There's definitely an argument for that. And I've seen some companies do it. But I think the better way of doing it is dealing with this transition and aligning strengths. So here's an example. You know how like... um, you know how engineers do hackathons, right? Where you, like they pick something, they nerd out on it, and they try to figure it out. Yeah. Well, I actually think that we should t- turn our sales orgs into sales labs and yeah. have hackathons, sales hackathons. Because yeah. look, all these reps know that the, the the tech is coming for them. Anyways, we're all looking over our shoulder, saying, "When the fuck is the shoe going to drop for me?" Right. And they're all playing with it in some way shape or form some are going super deep some are just barely tr- tr- scratching the surface and and I guarantee you there's a lot of wasted time within organizations right now with reps playing with chat GPT and tools like that It's like fantasy football or like it's like when you know when when March Madness comes around it's like productivity drops to the floor because you know reps yeah. are doing all sorts of random shit so let's let's structure it a little bit differently here Friday afternoons from two to four, get the whole sales team, I mean SDRs, BDRs, everybody. Pick a component of the sales process, right? I mean, you you and I saw the um, Salesforce came out with their uh, state of sales report, right? And, and in there, you know, the stat that everybody knows, like, you know, sales reps only spend 27% of their time actually selling, yep. right? Well, if you look at all the categories that are non-sales oriented, you know, it's CRM, admin, all this other shit. Well, you could take each one of those and create a little hackathon for it and say, all right, here's the parameters, everybody. We're going to break up into teams. Here's a component of the sales process that we're going to try to see, figure out if AI can be more efficient than how we do it. Now you got two hours go, whoever wins right now, what happens is so let, let's pick uh, account research, right? Let's pick uh, personalizing emails. Let's pick summary, e- you know, summary calls afterwards, um, whatever, right? Pick any one of those little things and then unleash them with a structure to go find something that can do that more efficiently. And if we do, well, now it's a win across the board because one is you're increasing employee satisfaction uh, and alignment because you're letting the kids play with the tools and the younger generation and the older generation can work together on that because the younger generation is going to be AI native. The en- older generation is going to have some business acumen to it. So they're going to be able to work together. Then if you, absolutely, if you actually find an AI tool that is creates some type of efficiency, well, now you, you can reduce your tech stack and you probably reduce your spend. So you went across and that, that helps with this transition and that teaches the reps practical application on some of this stuff, right. As opposed to complete replacement by it. And you know, the analogy that I'll make on where I think everybody's needs to be right now is, um, you you ever seen the movie hidden figures?
1: I think I have, it's a little fuzzy though.
2: So hidden figures is we went to NASA, right? And, Mm -hmm. and it was, it was the first, I'm sorry, NASA went to the moon. It was the first time we went to the moon and, and, it was, it was interesting because there was the subplot of it was there was these bunch of black women who were called computers. They were literally called computers and they were in the way back. They had to walk a mile, basically get to go to a bathroom and obviously treated like shit and all that other stuff. Right. But they were computers. They did hand. I mean, it was fucking amazing to me watching this movie. Cause I'm like, wait a minute. They're like Pythagorean theorem shit to get us to the moon. Like, are you shitting me right now? Like, yeah. okay. um, the main head of the computer women walked into the NASA main office one day and she saw this massive IBM mainframe computer get installed. It was the first of like, like multi-million dollar things. I mean, mainframe computer, huge, right? And she looked at it and she said, oh, shit. And she she had two choices. She could have gone back to her team and said – I just saw this thing that they invested in. We got to be better. We, we, have to, we have to be smarter. We have to be better than the machine so we can beat the machine because you know we can do this, right? That was one approach. The other approach, which is one she took, uh, she picked up the manual and she started to learn how to use it and turn it on and maintenance it and leverage it. Then when they finally turned that sucker on, the IBM technicians didn't even know how to use the thing. Because, and what oh by the way, what she did was she not only taught herself, she brought it back to her team and she said, look, we have to learn this thing. So when they turned that thing on, the IBM technicians couldn't even figure it out. Those women went from 100% replaceable to absolutely indispensable. And that's where we are right now with, with tools like ChatGPT and all this AI stuff. If you're not playing with these things, you are already replaced. I don't know when it's going to happen, but you will be. But if you figure out how to leverage this stuff and can feed the machine and tell the executives how to use it and where we should be looking at it, you become indispensable. And that's the problem is, is I think that's only going to be about 10 to 20% of our population.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The chat GPT thing has blown me away, dude, with the amount of research that you can do creating personas icp creation having it edit down emails for you i mean it's crazy dude um i think that's a good action item for people too is like if you don't have chat gpt you need to like sign up for an account okay? yes. <laughs> and start using that thing okay, i love your email. idea around
2: can, yeah. I, can I please make like I got a pet peeve here? I can't fucking stand sales reps who are, say that their company doesn't invest in technology for them or their company doesn't invest in training for them and they're yeah. sitting there waiting for their company to put some money to, behind some tool. Like literally, for $100 a month, you could have the most baller tech stack you could possibly imagine that will make you so much more efficient. So like 20 bucks with ChatGPT so you can get their actual version of it. You know, some of these monitoring tools so you can get information to come to you, you know, some video, you know, video tools that you can use to put out good Like for literally like $100 a month. If you can't afford $100 a month as a sales rep, get the f- please Get the out of this industry for crying out loud. Because if you don't look at the hundred and is going to make me a thousand dollars, like that's the mentality you have to have. If you're just going to sit and wait for somebody else, it drives me. It's like training. It's like, I mean, look, Mm. you and I charge for what we charge, right? We have programs, all this other stuff, dude, You don't need to take your training. You don't need to take my training. It's like, it's like a goodwill hunting when, when, uh, when Matt Damon was like, yeah, you know what? The thing that's going to suck is in a few years, you're going to realize you could gotten the exact same, you know, uh, education for a buck fifty at the local library here with a library card. You can get this information. You can leverage free tools. You can go invest in 20 bucks in ChatGPT and start to learn about it and pick up a program from somebody who says, Oh, here's a training thing on ChatGPT, even though it might be dog shit. Like, put the money in and invest in yourself. And, and you watch your company go, holy shit, how are you doing all this stuff? And I get you, I bet you they'll come back and either not, if they won't give you a raise, they'll probably pay for some of the tools and create a, something they can give to everybody in the organization if you're using it right. Yeah. So that's what bothers me about reps who are just sitting there on their hands right now saying, wow, well, my company doesn't have the tools like, shut up. Yeah. That's a good place to end it, man. <laughs> <laughs> go,
1: go pay for some fucking tools. Okay. Um, right. Hey, before we take off, uh, we're. You have to people go to connect with you, man, and check out what you're up to and all that kind of I stuff. appreciate it.
2: Yeah. I mean, always the website, right? JBarrows.com. That's got everything. I got the membership on there. I'm trying to do what I can to learn out loud, right? Um, doing a lot of live stuff with content and workshops and everything else because I don't know what the hell's going on here, but I know some people who do. So bring them in and they teach me. And so I act as a proxy to the audience. Uh, free consulting. If anybody wants it, they can hit me up on Instagram. Uh, John M as in Michael Barrows, B-A-R-R-O-W-S. That's my handle there. Uh, you can hit me up on LinkedIn, but I can't, I, this sounds like a humble brag, but it's not, uh, I've hit the 30,000 limit on LinkedIn. So I can't connect with any more people on LinkedIn. (laughs) It's it's so annoying. You know, by the way, I I asked them, you know what their response was? I'm like, why the hell is there a limit of 30,000? You know what their response was? Uh, well, we want to make sure that all your connections are meaningful. I'm like 30,000 is the number you chose. I go make it 25. And I don't mean twenty five thousand. I mean twenty. If you want it to make sure every uh, like engagement is meaningful, then make the limit twenty five. Like, who the fuck has thirty thousand meaningful convers- like in, you know yeah. connections here? So it's just wicked annoying on that. So, anyways, but you can you can obviously obviously follow and all that other stuff. So.